Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Leverage and Beverage, a show about business and some of the best beverages on the planet. The goal, again, of this podcast is to create leverage and learn how to get from where you are to where you want to go, whether that's in business, hobby turned into vocation, or other ventures. We want to explore that and extract as much value as we can. Today, we have a very special guest, someone who I've known for several years now, um, Mike Lees. How are you? Doing well, Greg. Thanks for having me. Uh, Mike Lees is currently one of the owners and brewers at Lunacy Brewing Company. Um, so, Mike, before we we jump into some of the details of business today, why don't you just give us uh, some background on yourself? Inter- introduce yourself to the people. Tell them who you are. Hello, everyone. I'm uh, Mike Lees. I was born and raised in South Philadelphia. Uh, I've been living in New Jersey for the last 20 years. Um, I am 47 years old and have owned part owner of Lunacy Brewing Company for seven plus years. And what are we, what are we sipping on today, Mike? Right now we're sipping on one of our new IPAs. Um, not sure, quite sure if it has a name yet, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we're uh, just tasting it and trying to figure out a name and putting it on tap shortly. Any contenders you got right now? I'm sorry? Any contenders for names? Um, really not sure. Up in the air. Yeah. So talk to me about that. That might be an interesting place to start. You see some of these beers these days that have some really, really wacky names kind of all over the place. Uh, what, what do you got as far as that, as far as some of the, the craziest beer names or ones that you've thought of or ones that you've brewed yourself? So um, I'm not huge into naming the beers. Uh, I kind of <laughs> leave that to my partners for the most part. Um, I think some of the better names that we have are um, Brutish Juice, which is a uh, hazy New England IPA. Um, we have a seasonal beer, Mrs. Claus Draws. It's a 10% Belgian strong ale with cherries and honey. Mm. Um, the, the logo is pretty nice on it. Uh, <laughs> Mrs. Claus showing a little skin. Oh, uh, yeah, we have some basic, um, uh, not basic, but original beers, the rocket chocolate peanut butter stout, I think has a cool ring to it, um, to chocolate. Obviously, a chocolate and peanut butter stout. It's about six percent. And um, so, let's kind of rewind a little bit. A lot of people nowadays are really into the beer scene. Over the past ten years or so, the the whole industry has really exploded. It's taken on a whole new name than it had prior. Um, Let's talk about your entrance and Lunacy's entrance into that space. so when did this start for you? When did you decide, hey, I like beer. I like beer enough to want to push it to this next level. Um, I'm sure a lot of people like beer, but not everyone's going to start a brewery. Right. So I guess talk about for anybody who's, who's listening, how did you make that decision in your head to go from something where you're like, hey, I like this thing and I want to take it somewhere and what that looked like as far as you deciding to actually take that step. So uh, there was probably about six of us originally that um, were hanging out and drinking beers, starting to get into the craft beer scene. Garage style, just hanging out and making beer at home. Literally. Yeah. Homebrew in, in, in my garage in West Deptford. Um, and we started with a lot of the basics. Victory in Downingtown was a big one. Yards in Philly was a big one. Uh, Sierra Nevada was a, a big one that we, you know, we really liked and enjoyed. So um, we decided to take a, a basic four-hour homebrewing class and uh, received some of the ingredients and uh, equipment to make homebrew. And we were homebrewing in my garage, uh, probably like five or six of us, I guess, at the time. 
you remember the first beer you made? It was a uh, a pale ale, and uh, it was terrible, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we started. We tried to do basic. You know, it was uh, extract. You know, it, it was just a plain basic beer that we were concocting in my garage and you know trying to figure things out and you know, it th- didn't come out real good um and so that and that made you want to open a brewery <laughs> <laughs> well that's kind of where the name lunacy does derive from mm-hmm. uh we were brewing in my garage and and uh one of the friends one of the buddies suggested hey uh you know we're, we're brewing you know we're making beer and at the time laws were just changing in new jersey to um to bring on these these breweries this influx of of beer that was happening um one of the first ones that we went to uh, locally um flying fish has been around since 1996 it's been around a long time but uh the opening of cape may brewery down in cape may um w- was a big start for us you know we've seen it how the laws were changing we've seen that you know these breweries were popping up and you know it, it's just, somebody said hey let's take a shot and you know let's see if we could do it and you know yeah i, I think there's it's an interesting uh, crossroads because I think some people come to that same fork and it's like, Oh, maybe we should try this. And they don't, you know what I mean? I, I, I see that a lot. People have an idea. They, they really have interest in it. They might have an inkling to pursue it, but for some reason or another, they decide it's, it's not for, for, they can't do it. Right. They, they've pre made up their mind as to, can I do this? And the decision is no. Um, why do you think that is? I personally feel that a lot of people have other things going on in, in their lives. I mean, when we did start lunacy, um, I mean, up until now, we, we, the four of us, we, you know, we still work full time. We all have regular jobs during the day and we do this, you know, at night and on the weekends and stuff like that. All have families, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I think that life gets in the way sometimes of people wanting to make the jump hmm. of, you know, to, to own a brewery, to open a business. Um, it's the first businesses the four of us at the time had ever owned. You know, none of us were prior business owners. We didn't have experience in in business, so it really was. I mean, it sounds cliche, but the word lunacy and the, the company lunacy brewing company it, it was kind of crazy that four guys in a garage decided that we were going to start a brewery, a business. You know, it's it is. It's a little crazy when you th- sit back and think about it. Yeah. I, I mean, kudos to you for, for taking that step. I think it's the thing that a lot of people don't do. And I think more people should do it. Um, so kudos to you. You, you mentioned victory. Um, you, do you say those beers, is there any beer in particular from them that really, um, I don't know, made you think differently about beer in general? I know I have one for me that was kind of like a turning point. From victory? Or- uh, not victory, okay. yeah. but you know, this was probably back when I was in college. So um uh, the, the beer scene was very manageable. So at that point, I could basically say, oh, wow, here's some new beers out this week at the beer store. I could try all of them. But it's almost impossible nowadays right. to, to try all of them because every brewery, even the smallest of the small, have you know new beers coming out on a daily basis, it seems right. like. Yeah, I guess in particular, Victory, um, the Hop Devil mm. was a huge one for me. Um, and I experimented with beers that I'd really never tried before. They had a, a V12 barley wine that mm. was, in my opinion, exceptional, like it blew me away. It was just, you know, a, a really good, strong beer. Um, 
old horizontal. I mean, I don't know. Old horizontal. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, just, they're just classic victory beers, you know, have been around for a long time. I don't think they make some of them still, but um, I guess I, I'm partial to that, to victory also, because I work in, in Downingtown Coatesville area. So it, it's convenient for me and uh, to get to at the time and, and, and yards and Philly is a huge, uh, I'm a huge fan of yards. The pale ales are a big, big favorite of mine. And my, uh, they stopped making it. I think I heard that they might be. You told, me, you told me about this one. What's it called again? It's Cape of Good Hope. Cape of I'm, Good Hope. I'm really hoping that they bring it back because I'm a, a real big fan of it. What was that again? Cape, that? Cape of Good Hope. No, the, the style. Uh, that's an IPA. IPA. Yeah. Um, so the the first beer that I got into the craft beer scene. Some people, you know, they'll they'll have their their lagers and pale ales, and that's all good. And I I, I love some of the, some of the best beers in the world, but the beer that got me into craft beer, the one that I drank and was like, what is this? It was, um, flying dog raging bitch. That was, that was, that was the first <laughs> entrance. So it's kind of it. I think most people, if they went that route would probably be a little bit turned off. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, you know, uh, seven, eight years ago now. So I don't even think that, uh, if most people had that beer back then, they probably would be like, yeah, this probably isn't for me. <laughs> it's a great um, name too. I mean, it'll yeah. definitely stick in your head. For oh sure. yeah, for sure. Um, but it seems like the entrance of new people nowadays is 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 much different. I mean, people are coming in in droves, trying things out. Not only do they want to try one brewery or do they have their favorite brewery locally, but they also want to try what the other breweries have. Sure. So it's almost like this thing where they bounce around to these different places. Um, what do you think the draw is now? Like I said, if every brewery was serving Raging Bitch, it's a great beer but it's kind of aggressive, I would say, compared to some Do you think the styles that are being presented now uh, popularly are part of the reason for this growth? Yeah, I do. I, I think that the IPA, I mean, people said it was a, a fad at the time, but I mean, people said it about the regular, the, the IPAs, now the hazy IPAs, they, they said it was trendy or fad and it was going to go away. Obviously, New England IPAs aren't going away. IPAs aren't going away. But I, I just think that, as a whole, the, the, the brewing industry has diversified. Uh, you see a lot of local breweries in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, Philly, you know, that they're going back a step to some of the classic styles, lagers and pilsners and, you know, the, the other, the fruited ice, the fruited showers and, and the New England IPAs are still around. There's, they still exist. We, you know, we make them ourselves. But I think that people that got into craft beer are now enjoying and appreciating the classic styles like the lagers and pilsners yeah it seems like a lot of those um styles especially like some of the fruited sours now and the way that they're made if you look at some of like the the traditional german uh purity laws i don't, I don't know if some of this stuff would fly and i mean some of it it's it's crazy but i mean i think some of it i have to kind of question sometimes like is this is this beer you know what i mean right yeah it, it, i think that people feel that way but the people that are making them and make, are making them good, they're successful with it. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's working. You know, people are they want to try something new, whether it's crazy fruit or you know if it's basic, like they, they just want they want new. And mm. the, you know, the guy, like I said, the guys that are doing the crazy milkshakes or like it, it works. When it first came out, that I think it may have turned people off or you know may have intimidated people a little bit. But you know, the people that are doing it, they're doing it well. It, it's working for them. Yeah, I, th- I think one of the craziest things is, um, you know, you have a consumer and to some degree they know what they want. 
they say, oh, wow, I tried that. I like that. Or I, I don't like that. And so they're kind of giving you some feedback all the way, all the way through. Um, but I think, is there anything that, that you try to convey in your beer? Like, Hey, this style hasn't been brewed by any breweries locally, but I think it's a great style. You want to bring it back like some of those traditional styles you're talking about. So how, how do you hear, um, at lunacy, try to craft that experience for your customers? So I think that we do a good job blending our, our varieties and styles. Uh, we, we are heavy on IPAs. We enjoy drinking IPAs ourselves, but we also know that, you know, people want a basic, you know, a blonde ale or a basic lager, you know, the people that don't want to stray and, and drink some crazy moon. We call them moon shakes here and not milkshakes. You know, the people that don't want the crazy fruit, the, the, the lactose or whatever they want traditional. And, and we try to do that. We try to have, we always try to have at least one uh, porter or stout on, um, some people come in, they don't, they don't like dark beer just because it's dark beer. Some people only come in just because it's on. So, you know, we do see what the public wants and we try to give, you know, a nice diverse menu for, uh, for everyone to enjoy. Um, so transitioning here for, for a second, um, in the, in the process of, of building this business, there's, there's lots of different things that come up. I mean, there's a ton to think about for a brewery. It's a very, capital intensive business in that you're constantly shelling out thousands of dollars for supplies. So you got grain hops, um, any type of, you know, water additives, anything else you're adding to the beer, whether that's fruit, whether that's um, additional hops for dry hopping, um, even the cost of equipment can get pretty substantial over time. So I'm I'm just kind of curious from an outside perspective, um, what that, what that looks like. And is it, because it's so capital intensive, does that make it more difficult than other types of businesses? Um, I would say in, in our, my personal opinion, our experience, yes. You know, seven years ago, I mean, you see my gray beard here and, and my gray hair seven <laughs> was, years ago. Was that, it wasn't gray. <laughs> it, it was, it might, it might've been a little gray, but not as gray <laughs> as it is. Um, yeah. Um, in our experience, uh, currently, we're, we're brewing on a one-barrel system, which is, if not the smallest, one of the smallest breweries that you will ever be in. Um, there are a couple other local breweries that are small, um, but we did purchase a new system that was substantially, you know, it was expensive. And um, it, it, we definitely feel it, you know, it, it, it's tough. We, we look back and in hindsight, you know, we think maybe we should have bought a smaller system. Maybe we should have upgraded from a one-barrel to maybe a three barrel or a five barrel or even a seven barrel. But we took the jump and we went straight to a 15 barrel system. And um, we've definitely had our uh, troubles with it so far. You know, a lot of on our, on our end. Um, but yeah, it's been a bit of a challenge for sure. It seems like um, that, is, that is quite a jump. And it seems like there's a lot of things that have to fall into place to make that, that transition go smoothly. And not only that, do you have the problem of, okay, we serve beer in house and you have the problem of, okay, how do I get this beer to people? Um, there's a lot of different ways you can go. You can go restaurants, stores. How, how have you been doing as far as getting the message out there about, about your beers and, and what, what message again, are you trying to convey with, Hey, I, I think, I, I mean, I, what I'm trying to say here, I think a lot of breweries have a message either. We believe these styles are underrated. That's why we brew them. We think that you'll like them as a consumer um, so what message is Lunacy trying to send with the distribution of their beer? 
So I, I guess the, the biggest hurdle is to actually get the uh, the larger system up and running so that we are able to have enough beer to distribute. Um, right now, only brewing a one barrel system. Um, we barely have enough to, to keep us going in the tasting room here. Um, but yeah, I, I think that we will try our best to, you know, put, put out the, put out the beers on the shelves and in the restaurants and bars that we think are the best ones that we're making here, regardless of the style. Yeah. It's not only capital intensive, some of these businesses, it's also time intensive. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot yeah. of time that goes into these days. I mean, we brewed together before and I mean, sometimes you'll have, you know, 12, 13 hour days where you're, you know, you're cleaning, you're doing the whole nine. It's almost like it's a kind of thing. If, if you don't love it or if you don't love it enough, there's like, there's no way you're sticking around. You know what I mean? I, I've told that to uh, many people, including family and friends and, and customers in here that come into the tasting room. Um, you, you know, we're, we're, we're doing well enough to keep the business going. You know, we're open seven years, but you know, if I didn't love it, if I didn't love being here, if I didn't love um, meeting people, if I didn't love making beer, um, I, I, I would have been out of here long ago. You know, it's yeah. just, you know, I go to work every day and then I come here, not every day. I'm not here every day. I'd like to be here every day, but, um, but I'm not. And, um, if I could be here more often, I would, I would be here more often, but, um, yeah, it, it, it's a lot. It, it's a lot with, uh, like I said, with work and family and friends, it, it's tough to, um, to make more time sometimes. What, what about the perception? I mean, we talked about this before. It seems like, you know, everyone thinks, Wow, that that's such a cool thing, and it is. It's one of the best things in the world. It, it's so the environment's awesome. People are there to have a good time. They enjoy drinking, and as they start drinking, they have even a better time. <laughs> but it's also, it looks. I think it looks more glamorous from the outside. Is that is that an accurate statement? I would say yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, you know. <laughs> It's tough. I, I don't want to sound arrogant, ignorant or anything like that, but people come in sometimes and they say, man, you're living the dream. You, know, you, own, a, you own a brewery. Yeah. And believe me, I think it is the coolest thing. I mean, that we were able to open, that we're still open. Like, I love the fact that I own a brewery and that I'm partners of a brewery. But I think a lot of people don't see the behind the scenes. You know, like you're saying, the 12 hour brew days or being here until one o'clock in the morning or or. um you know, or cleaning the toilet or, mm. or, or, you know, mopping the floor, you know, th there's other things that go along with owning a brewery other than making and drinking beer. I have friends tell me all the time, Oh, you're at the brewery, you drinking again. And believe me, you know, there's times where <laughs> I don't have one beer, you know, while I'm here, if I'm brewing or if I'm, you know, doing here to, to put rain away or to, to, to receive an order, you know, I, every time I'm here, I'm not drinking. I mean, it sounds like you should, or, you know, it sounds fun, but you know, when you're here by yourself, it's, it's not real fun sometimes. So I think a thing a lot of people think about sometimes is they might have like an outside job where they're like, Hey, I, I need this to either support my family or do something. And they have something that they might want to do deep down and they've, they've toiled with it. They might be, for example, maybe home brewing, and they're, they're able to do that because they have a little bit of excess time to do that. But it seems like having your primary source of income in conjunction with a secondary source of income 
and both of them are, are, are demanding as far as your time. How have you been able to, to balance that? And you know, what advice would you give to anybody who's thinking about, hey, I know I'm starting up this, this, this project on the side, and I don't know when that's going to have the chance for me to do that full, full time. What advice would you give them in, in the interim? And, or how should they spread their time um, or, or energy between the two, I guess? The first thing I would say is that if you think you want to open up a brewery, not even just a brewery, any business to do it, to, you'll find time, you'll make time. I, I really didn't think it was possible that we would be able to do what we're doing. I really didn't. You know, like I said, with us all working full time and, and having families and, uh, and other things going on in our lives, I tell people all the time, you know, people come in, they say, oh, I homebrew. I would love to open a brewery. And I tell them, do it. You're not going to know if it's going to work until you try it. Like, just do it. And, <laughs> and I think it's hard from the outside. If somebody said that to me, you know, 10 years ago, I would have said, you know, I can't do it. But I guess, you know, we, we did take the shot. And like I said, we're open seven years and, and we're having fun. Yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's that mentality. I think is so fueled by by fear. And, and what when people ask me, hey, I kind of have this idea. I kind of want to do this. Like I'm scared. I'm like, well, what, I think it's good to be scared. Yeah, and 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 first of all, like, what's stopping you? Think about the worst case scenario. It's like worst case scenario. Okay, you had a comfortable job, you left it, you tried something else. Worst case, you go back. You know what I mean? Or you get another job. Like there, there's plenty of things out there to do to earn an income. But I think sometimes people delay trying something because they they like that comfort. Don't get me wrong. I think sure. everyone likes their their comfort and stuff, but. I think sometimes some of the best things happen when we kind of push that push that envelope a little bit. And you're not going to know. You're never going to know. And I think it's better to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and just kind of pushing the envelope wherever possible. I, I don't disagree with you at all. But from my personal opinion or experience, like I would not have done that if if if, yeah. they, if the guys would have said, "Hey, listen, let's all quit our jobs and start this brewery," I, I would not have done it. Oh time. yeah, I yeah. would not have done and, it. And, and I'm not I'm not saying anybody should quit their job right, or anything. Yeah, right. I, I just think that. Um, you know, worst case scenario, if you decided to do that, there's always a way to go back. And I think I, I think the most prudent way to do it is probably, hey, I'm going to do this full time still, allocate as many hours as I can to the thing that I like on the side and build that up to the point where, hey, maybe financially it does make sense for me to do the other thing full time. Yeah, I have a, a co- an ex-coworker. He, um, he didn't like the day job at all. He got fed up with it. He hated it. It was getting on his nerves, like, causing him stress you know, causing family problems at home. And he talked to me one day. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm quitting. I was like, really, you know, good job, you know, benefits and pay time off. And, and he quit, he just quit. And he has his own business now. It's not all he does. He, 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 he did get another, you know, full-time job, but it gave him time to do, to start his business and, and he's doing well with it. So, and, and I commend him for it. I, I think it's, like you said, it's it's a tough thing to do. It is, but he took it. He took a chance and he did it. Good stuff, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, how about uh, some of the supply chain stuff? Did that really affect you guys at all? I, I know there was maybe for some of the parts and things like that. How have you handled that, or what have you experienced in regard to uh, some of the supply chain stuff over the past couple of years? I guess equipment and parts. I mean, we've definitely had some issues, but nothing major. I guess it's more of the. Um, increasing costs of of grain and hops and the supplies that we use to make the beer um 
that we've seen an increase in the mm. price. And, you know, unfortunately, we did raise our prices because of all of that. Um, we were trying not to do that. But I, I think that the, the public in general, I mean, understands it. I mean, we're all paying more for anything from a cheesesteak to a soda to, you know, a loaf of bread. You know, we're, we're all seeing. Unfortunately, we're all seeing that price increase. Had to mention cheesesteak being from Philly, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a good beer, man. I just finished it off. That was that was really good. Glad you enjoyed it. Pillowy, light, refreshing, nice hop character. I really, um, I don't know. The color is great on that. Like, I see your glass over there. That, that looks really, really nice. You're saying I should catch up to you and finish yeah, mine? Yeah, I, I am saying. <laughs> here, I'll pop open this next one while, while you finish that. All right. So the next one we got here, we got a, um, a pale ale from Maine Brewing Company. And if any of you listeners know about Maine, Maine's a brewery I've been following for a while. They have some really good stuff, especially in the um, the pale ale and IPA category. Uh, this one's called Peeper, and um, super looking forward to, to trying it and checking it out. Um, not sure if I have an opener with me. Hold on, let me see if I got one. Okay, beer's all poured. Wow, that's uh, lighter than I expected, but that's that's awesome. That looks really good. Very clean, very clear. Try the aroma on that, man. Mm. It's like some lemon zest. Yeah, big time. It's nice. Nice big white head foam. It's very good. Super clean. I like that a lot. Refreshing. What is it? It's Maine. Maine, Maine Beer Company. No, it's the... Uh... The name of the beer? The Peeper. The Peeper, eh? The Peeper. <laughs> I know that they put out lunch, don't they? Yeah, they do mm-hmm. uh, um, lunch, dinner. They have they have one called Second Dinner. Really? Um, that, I don't know. I don't think I've had that. I found, I found dinner one time at a small um, uh, cafe called a 320 Market over in Philadelphia. Okay. Um, we're outside Philadelphia area. Um but uh, but I haven't found second dinner yet. I think it's kind of one of those. Yeah, never heard of that one. Those whales, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the tough ones, dude. I mean, there are some beers you can't even like get. There's like a whole like subculture of beer and trading beer. It's kind of ridiculous. I like I, I knew a guy and he would travel different breweries on the East Coast, get huge crowlers, get get like forty of them and resell them. I mm-hmm. mean, we have a a guy that comes in when not. Uh, tired hands was putting out you know all the crazy releases and i mean i guess they're still doing it but he would go and get them and, and he would trade them across the country uh, maybe across the world for all i know but he used to go and I mean, he would drive up to vermont and get the heady topper and you know big time beer traders you're familiar with the um the acronym iso no I don't so think I, I used to see it all the time on like social media and stuff where people would just post be in search of yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they had like um oh i, I got tired hands in search of Blank. equilibrium mm-hmm. in search of monkish in search of hill farmstead whatever whatever it was mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just so interesting man it's it's um it's there's something so primal about it it's like we're, we're getting these drinks and we're we're trading them back and forth i, I think and, I, I i really never did that per se but I really think it was cool that people were sending, I guess it's probably not legal. I know it's not legal, but you know, <laughs> when you're just shipping a couple cans here and there, I mean, I, I thought it was cool. You know, it, it was able to, uh, people were able to try 
West Coast beers on the East Coast and East Coast beers on the West Coast and, you know, some hard to find things. Absolutely. I mean, one of my, there's a local store that is awesome. Their selection is, is huge, massive. And sometimes I'll go in there um, with my fiance and we'll, we'll walk around and we'll stay there for hours mm-hmm. and we'll buy like two beers, but it's, it's <laughs> just like, wandering. It's, it's just like, it's like a cheap date. You know what I mean? You, just walk, <laughs> you walk around and it's, it's such an incredible experience to see all these different labels, all these different beers, all these different styles of beers, mm-hmm. something you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. You're the international aisle and you're seeing stuff from, from Belgium. You're seeing stuff from Japan. You're seeing stuff from all these other places. And it's, it's pretty remarkable. Um, I remind my wife all the time after I, you know, on my, on my way home from the, the beer distributor or the liquor store, please don't send me there by myself <laughs> because the, the wallet takes a beat. You know, it, it does. I'll man. try this. I'll try this and I'll try that. And, I mean, she enjoys it too. She, she drinks with me. So let me ask you this, walk me through the process in your head. So if you go into one of these stores, again, the selection is uncanny. It's, it's, it's more robust than we've ever seen before. How do you, um, how do you make a selection? <laughs> Let's start there. Um, I guess I look for stuff that I may have heard of, or people may have recommended to me. Um, if I don't, if I'm going in there with just a clean slate, I'll just, you know, read some labels or look at some artwork. I think artwork um, really catches people's eyes. Um, regardless of the style, I think some people pick up beers uh, because of the artwork, you know, because mm-hmm. of the name Raging Bitch or, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I think that the marketing and that end of it ha- has a huge part, especially to to novice drinker, you know, novice beer drinkers or not, not even, I guess, novice, any, any, any style or, or, um, or liquor. If I go into a place and I see a cool wine bottle, I drink wine. I don't drink it as much as I do beer, but you know, I'll, I'll buy a bottle just because of, of the label or the thing. I, I think it's cool. Yeah. It's neat. Yeah. I was talking to my brother and he's, he likes, he likes his everyday beer, but he also likes some good craft beer. Mm. And he was talking to me one time and he said that almost <laughs> the sole reason he picks beers is because of the label. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, sometimes to the person who, is not super, you know, in the know as far as wow, I recognize that brewery has been recommended to me. Sometimes they just got to pick something and go with it. Yeah, and kind of learn as I go. And sometimes there's some hidden gems that that maybe you know it's it's not the popular IPA or not the popular style. Hundred percent. And people, you know, and they pick it up. Myself, you pick up something that you never even heard of, but you try it you're like, oh, you know, this is really good. Like, why haven't I heard about this? But yeah, you know, people have different tastes and opinions, and you know, that's a big thing. I've I've had I've had beers side by side before of a brewery that was super highly regarded. The beer I've heard it, you know, critically acclaimed and all of that. Don't get me wrong, it was a great beer. Mm. I've had those side by side with beers that were either home brewed or brewed by very small breweries. And sometimes there's, you know, sometimes the smaller one was better. You know what I mean? Like like I do. it just yeah. goes to show that like anybody in any place can brew excellent beer. It doesn't really take too much to get started, but it's all, I think that's what keeps it fun as far as this continual hunt to find the next best thing. And it's, it's super exciting that you know that, yes, I'm going to get some pretty great stuff from these really well-renowned breweries, but it's also fun to pop into some random city, into some random brewery you never heard of before, nope. and get a, a Kolsch that's, that slaps. You know, right. you know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I was in... Uh, um, North Jersey. And I stopped in this brewery last week. I had a Kolsch. It was incredible. What was it? What, what brewery? Uh, it was called um, Glenbrook. Glenbrook. Oh, yeah. 
Glenn Book Revolutionary Ales. That's what it was called. Huh. Um, and it was, it was, it was great. I really enjoyed it. So it just goes to show some people, I think they stick to the stuff they know, but like anything else, take that chance and kind of push beyond that. Sure. Yeah. People come in all the time and, and they say, Oh, you know, I really don't like this style or I don't like that style. And, and I'll give them a taster, you know, just a sip, just, just to let them try it. Some people come in and I don't drink dark beer. I don't drink stouts and I'll just give them a, a one or two ounce pour just to taste it, just to see if they like it. Some people don't like it. Some people are you know, they're pleasantly surprised that, Hey, you know, this isn't bad. You know, maybe I should try more dark beers or more Belgian beers or more IPAs. Mm. Uh, you know, being behind the bar, uh, you definitely get a, a good, um, you get a good sense that everybody likes different things. Right. And, and it's the truth. I mean, you might love something. You might love the beer that we're drinking now. I might not, I might not like it so much. <laughs> you know, it's, we all have different tastes and different palates. And Talk to me about, and this is something that I've been thinking about for a long time, the community in the beer industry. I want to kind of parse this into two sections, both, you know, uh, the community amongst brewery owners and then the community amongst um, the individuals that come into the brewery. So let's start with the individuals first. So I've noticed here on, you know, Thursday nights, Friday nights, you got a lot of regulars that come back and, you know, what's, what's the mindset there? It's almost become the breweries are almost the new watering hole um almost like the the dive bar of you know I, decades I, ago yeah i i agree um i think that most breweries that you go into are laid back they're friendly it's just um communal i guess it's just a sense of community like everybody likes their 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 town brewery i mean they're popping up everywhere now um we do our best to make people feel comfortable here. I don't want this pretentious crowd that's in here and that, that are uh, clicky and, you know, who's in the corner talking. I, I like when everybody sits down and talks to the person next to them. Uh, a customer told me one time, they said, I, I'm really enjoying it here. And I said, you know, I, obviously I really appreciate that they said that. And they said to me, they, they said, look around. So I'm like, I'm looking around. They're like, there was probably, you know, 20 people in here. And, uh, and they said, nobody's got a cell phone in their hand. Nobody's looking at their cell phones. Everybody's talking to each other. And I said, I'm not sure if I would have noticed that on my own, but when they said that to me mm-hmm. and I looked around and there's nobody on their phone in today's day and age, I mean, I think that says something. And I'm not saying it happens all the time, but for whatever reason, that person that was in here that day or that night, said that to me and i was like wow you know this is pretty cool you know that in today's day and age that nobody's checking an email or checking a text message or or playing you know some game on their phone that people were actually sitting around and and talking and enjoying each other's companies it it was cool that's really cool i mean it's Mm -hmm. definitely something you don't you don't see all the time and if there's always that urge and who knows if it was like some little blip that everyone just happened not to be on it but at the same time it's it's nice to see it's nice to see people people interacting with those around them if they know, know them or not yeah, and and also um, to the point, I I've become friends, like close friends, with people, like customers, patrons that come into into the tasting room. Um, I've been to a couple of viewings that for people that passed away. Um, I've been invited to weddings by, I mean, these are customers, people that I didn't know five, six, seven years ago, and 
it's cool to me. It's cool that, like I said, we, we promote that here. We, we promote laid back fun, chill, you know, like, I don't know. I, I think it definitely helps us, you know, it, it draws, it, it wants people to come back. We have a great Thursday night crowd that comes in here. The Thursday night crew. I mean, they support us all, you know, all the time they spread the word about us, you know, and, and obviously we love the fact that they do that. We appreciate the fact that they do that. They don't need to do that. You know, they could go to the next brewery, you know, the next town over they don't have to come back, but, but for the most part, there's a consistent crew that comes in here on Thursday night. And even Fridays, like we're starting it, I guess every day, you know, we're, we're just building a base of, of people that enjoy coming here and enjoying the tasting room and the beer. Awesome. Yeah. The, then we have the other side, which is the, the owners and the, the people that run the breweries themselves. I know a lot of industries, ones that I've interviewed, ones that I haven't interviewed, they can be cutthroat at times in that some of the competition is, is more direct. Like if, if you get business, then it means I'm not getting business. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And that doesn't strike me as true at all in this industry from what I've seen. I, I've talked to, to you about this. I've talked to other brewery owners about this as well. And it seems like everybody is more or less in it to, to do well with their brewery, but also help the other breweries when needed. You, you can't be more accurate. Um, I haven't encountered anything even close to cutthroat in this business. Um, I've never owned any other business, so I don't know how other businesses are. And I'm sure that there are cutthroat people out there. Um, I have not experienced that even a little bit in, in the brewing community. Uh, any, you know, somebody needs a pound of hops or 10 pounds of hops or, you know, some grain or whatever it might be cans. Every I'm on a group text with, um, I guess two separate group text, one of about 10, 12 breweries nearby and, and then a smaller one with three or four breweries and, Everybody, I think that's part of why I love it so much. It's not just the brewing and, and the beer. and It's just a camaraderie and the sense of community. And like you said, everybody wants their business to do well individually. But I really do believe that other breweries, and, and not just New Jersey either, I do believe that Jer the breweries in general root for other breweries. They, they want to see everybody do well. Um, I think it's been evident in... Um, a lot of the collaboration beers that there was the um, black is beautiful beer that they did. Um, what was the one oh, uh, the, um, it was for the resilience resilience for the fires in California. Um, I see a lot of people doing um, fundraisers for Ukraine. Now there's just breweries that are sending out emails saying, Hey, let's, let's brew beer and send profits to, you know, whatever foundation or whatever, um, fundraiser they're trying to raise money for it it's just it's it's just a, a super cool environment and and uh it, it's something that i never expected to see i guess i didn't know what to expect going into the business but uh, i mean i think it's been incredible and i think that the majority of breweries if not all of them would say the same the the community aspect's huge and i remember i mean during the past couple of years a lot of small businesses had to shut down because traffic was low or they had supply chain issues as far as getting raw materials. So 
how have you guys here weathered that storm? Um, because I'm sure every business kind of came out of that a little bit differently. Um, how did that, and what kind of brought you through that? I'm guessing the community aspect has something to do with that. But. Are you speaking, are you talking about the, the uh, pandemic and everything? Is it? A- absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that definitely um, threw us back and, and made us um, change some of the things that we do. Um, we never had it. We never had an online store, an online shop where people could order beer. Um, we started doing that. We started, you know, people could not enter the tasting room at all. Literally people were coming up and we had a hand. We were at the beginning, we were required to wear gloves and ma- I mean, we, we all had to wear masks obviously, but we had to wear gloves when we were in the tasting room. I mean, it was required that we had to wear gloves and um, you know, we changed, we had to change the website. We had to, you know, get a whole new website built um, to offer online ordering there was times where um, we were allowed. I think that we we're still allowed to deliver beer. We don't do it, but um, you know, I was going out in my car and delivering beer. People, people were requesting that I left it on their front step or in their driveway because they didn't want to be within six feet or so. Some people didn't want to be any ten feet or twenty feet. So, um, yeah, I mean that we definitely had a change and um, we got through it. You know, I, a lot of people come in. I guess not so recent, but, you know, when we did reopen, you know, people say, how'd you guys make out, you know, during the pandemic? And, you know, it was tough. I said, but I can't complain. You know, first of all, we're still open. And most importantly, we're still here physically. Uh, You know, there's some people that didn't make it through the pandemic. There's some businesses that make it, didn't make it through the pandemic. So the fact that we're still open and we're still here, you know, I, I can't complain. I think that's admirable to say the least. Um, I think a lot of, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm guessing that community aspect, both on the brewer side and the individual side, the people who come in here, that that's what did it. You know what I mean? It's, it's the people. And I think over and over again, a lot of, one of the themes that I've seen in doing some of these podcasts is oftentimes it comes back to the people. Episode two, we had a, guy who has a family business and he's talking about him getting into arguments with his dad about stuff in the business. And, you know, it's one of those things you get used to it and you, you shuck it off and you realize it's not, it's not personal. It's just business and you move through it. There's days that are, that are awesome. I uh, actually listened to that podcast. And, oh yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, when he said, I believe he said he went into the room and I'm not sure if his father was yelling at him or vice versa or both. Um, I deal with that, you know, my partner, one of the partners here is my brother, Ricky, and him and I yell at each other. I wouldn't say often. <laughs> we, we normally don't yell at each other about anything, but we have yelled at each other business wise. And sometimes I think that's good. Yeah. Because you know what? We'll yell at each other and he'll call me a, a name and I'll call him something back and he'll be pissed and I'll be pissed and. You know, he leaves and I leave. And the next day I shoot him a text or I give him a call and say, yeah, what's going on? Like, I I think that it's very important to leave personal, especially family, but to leave the personal feelings outside of the business when you're not, you know, you you need to forget stuff. Yeah. And I I think it's good to. I've worked with with family in business as well. And it's one of those things where stuff's going to happen. And you're, you're not always going to get along or see eye to eye on everything. 
And it's almost like you have to get used to having disagreements so that you realize that having disagreements is kind of part of the deal. Yeah, and, I think it shows a little bit of passion too, like like that you're actually interested in making the business better. Yeah. Like you wouldn't be yelling at just, just, just to yell, you know, you, you wouldn't be <laughs> aggravated or agitated over something. Like it was obviously a situation that we both felt passionate about that we let our feelings known. Yeah. And I think it's a good thing because it shows, like I said, it shows that people care. And when you don't care, <laughs> when you don't care, you ain't going to be here. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to survive. You're not going to be in business if you don't care. Yeah. The, um, one thing I think that's helpful is to kind of go through um, some of the hardships of running a business. We kind of went through some of the uh, the pandemic stuff. How about any other things in the day-to-day of running a business this size? What does that what what does that look like as far as the problems you encounter and the troubleshooting process that goes into solving those problems? If you have like any specific examples that you can kind of speak to? Uh, I'm not sure of anything specific off the top of my head, but um, like, I, I know that I, I could not do this, run this business by myself. Like I know that I have to rely on partners to, to do certain things. You know, if, if, um, if somebody needs to come into the, to, to, to the tasting room during the day when I can't be here, you know, send out a text, say, Hey, you know, somebody's coming a delivery, you know, somebody needs to be, be at the brewery can somebody get there and you know that's when you know you rely on partners and you rely on you know family or friends to to help you out I, like i said i know i couldn't do it on my own it, it would be impossible um yeah uh, yeah the um it's true i think we have to rely on people around us people who we go into business with because at the end of the day when you're hiring when you're hiring employees when you're bringing on partners essentially what you're doing is you're replicating yourself in some ways or bringing in areas that either they specialize in or that, that you might not, but you have to replicate that manpower because there's, there's no way things can get done on a scale that you, you have to grow. Sure. And to keep growing, you have to kind of duplicate yourself either by bringing on more partners, bringing on other people in business or hiring. Sure. Um, so, what, what, what does that what does that look like um, from from your perspective as far as what are some characteristics important in the people that we work with or or bring on to the organization? I just think that it, it goes back to being passionate about being here, being passionate about beer, um, caring about the people that are here, um, making sure that people are having a good time. You know, going out of your way to ask somebody if uh, they need something, or um, you know, I, I think that. The, the people that we have here helping us and, um, you know, getting us through some tough times, they understand, they see that we're passionate ab- about it. And, and I think that it, it kind of wears on them a little bit to, um, to care, you know, to, to actually go out of their way to help people and, you know, just not stand behind, you know, and, and pour beer to actually interact with people and, yeah, so let's. I want to really switch gears here for a second. We went through this podcast. I don't even know how long we've been recording right now, but I kind of want to give a background to some people who might not be familiar with everything that goes into to making a beer. So if you could maybe give us a, a rundown of um, 
you know, some of the steps from like your, you know, recipe design and then how, what, what it looks like, what, what a standard brew day looks like. So, uh, we, uh, come up with the recipes ourselves. Um, you know, whether I want to make an IPA or Ed wants to brew, um, a stout or a, a different IPA, or we, we give each other, um, full opportunity, you know, uh, creative design, whatever, right. Yeah. Whatever we want to do, we're, we're, you know, we don't have somebody telling us or suggesting, you know, Ed will say to me, Hey, hey what are you going to brew tomorrow? And I'll say, you know, I'm not even sure. I'm going to look at the board, see what we have or whatever. And, uh, you know, we, we just create what we want to brew. Um, a typical day, um, I usually brew on Wednesday nights. Uh, I'll come after work. Um, I, I guess I'm usually here five to six hours, maybe sometimes longer, um, cleaning, you know, measuring the grain out, measuring the hops out, prepping everything, making sure fermenters are good. Um, the brewing process is probably six hours on average. Um, and then it, it'll sit in the fermenter for, you know, 10 days to two weeks, maybe sometimes longer, depending on what we're doing. But, uh, yeah, usually, you know, if, if I brew today, it'll be on probably in two and a half to three weeks. Cool. Cool. And any, uh, special projects you're working on right now? Um, yeah, we're actually, uh, doing a, um, I think you know something about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're doing a, uh, golden, a, a collaboration with the pod, huh? Yeah. Collaboration with the pod. We're, um, aging a golden tell them about it greg yeah it's a um so it's a wild fermented uh golden sour uh we actually got a um red wine barrel a red wine barrel from a local person who who was a friend of mine yeah makes red wine at home correct yeah, yeah um so we got a really nice barrel from him um we have a pretty a pretty cool beer that's in there. It'll probably be in there somewhere from three to three to nine months. Some of these wild beers, you kind of have to let them do, do their own thing. Mm -hmm. if, if you will. Um, Definitely then, something different that we uh, haven't done before, which is uh, exciting. Yeah. And I think the way we're doing it is um, what's called a Solera method. So we're going to pull some of that beer off, be able to serve that and then use that barrel to continue to make, make more beer out of there. So, um, you know, it's a, a project that me, me and Mike are, are working on right now. We're pretty excited about it. So, um, maybe have to do another episode in, uh, in some, some months down the line and then have that on the pod to see if, uh, um, see how it turned out. Cross our fingers, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm super excited about it. I, I think it's cool that we are doing something, you know, different and, uh, something that's going to sit in a barrel for a while. And, you know, we're not a hundred percent sure of how it's going to be, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be funky and I think it's, I think it's going to be good. I think there's a perception right now that again, it's almost like this dichotomy between new and classic. There's like classic styles of beers that people have had. So they've had Pilsners or American light lagers in the form of Budweiser, Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors, all these beers. There's the juxtaposition of that next to something new something they they haven't tried yet and talk to me about your perspective here because i think it's important to have a little bit of both because you want to give people something that they want but you also want to almost tease them with hey here's something else you haven't tried but 
I think you should. Um, so I think people want that. They want that hunt for something new, something innovative, something they haven't experienced anything like before, especially if you, you drink and everything on the shelves, what, what else is there that I can try, I can try my palate at. So. Yeah, I think um, it's, it's up to us as brewers to, to give the people something that they never had before, but it's also difficult to come up with something like that. You know, things have changed. Like we were talking about the fruited sours and the New England IPAs and lactose beers. And, you know, people, myself, I, you know, I wasn't sure if I liked them and most of the public, all of the public didn't know if they liked them because it really wasn't a style that was around or that was very popular, but they're here. They ain't, they're not going away. Um, so it's up to us as brewers and breweries to come up with these new styles these different um, ways of brewing, whether it's barrel aging things or, um, you know, just, just, I guess the, the options are endless. I mean, somebody will try something that's completely bizarre, different somehow, some way that it's either going to be good or bad. And if it's good and they're the first to do it, you know, it's, it could be very uh, profitable and, and good for them. What's, what's the biggest thing that you see on a day-to-day basis? Um, that is, I guess, just growing pains, if you will. So whenever you're pushing or, or scaling a business, um, there's got to be areas where some of that, that pain comes out. And then on the flip side, what areas are you having great success in? I think it's important to, to realize that when people are growing businesses or pushing the boundaries, there's going to be things that that go well, and it's always it's good to have those high points. You're also going to have some low points, but I think in the midst of all this, it's important to stay as keep your feet on the ground, stay as neutral as you can. Don't get too high on your highs, don't get too low on the lows. Um, so, what are some things that you've experienced that kind of exemplify that? Uh, I think I'm following what you're saying here. I, I think challenges. Are more on or with equipment, um, just equipment breaking down or a pump going or a chiller, you know, breaking down on us. And um, because we're doing 100% of it, well, not 100, I mean, we do have people that help us here and there, but um, we're, we're doing most of everything ourselves. So sometimes either we can't fix things or repair things or replace things as fast as we might want. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with money. You know, you know, if, if there's an endless amount of cash flow or, you know, money sitting around to spend, it's different. But, you know, we're not in a position where um, that we have that luxury. Right. So, you know, it, it's I, I think money is a huge part on our end. And, you know, we, we fight through it and we get past it and jump the hurdles and, you know, we move on. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. So what do you, what do you think of this? I think it's excellent. Maine. What's the name? Peeper. Peeper. <laughs> you got more in there? Or are you drinking it all? No, no, dude. I got, I got, I got more. Kidding. Here, come here. I'm kidding. I got a brew tonight. <laughs> yeah. So you, you need more. Mm. But uh, yeah. And I think the good things that we're doing, we're continuing. You know, like I said, we're, uh, you know, bringing people in. People are steady coming and, and enjoying the place and, and um, having a good time. 
you know, I, I think that's our our biggest thing is is the the beer tastes good and the people are enjoying not only the beer but the the vibe, the experience of the tasting room, our outside deck, you know, um, you know, the summertime's rolling around. Hopefully the weather breaks and it's not 55 degrees anymore. And, you know, we get the crowd that comes and people bring their children and people bring food and, and they sit out on the, on the picnic bench outside or out on the deck. And, you know, if it's a little chilly, we have a little fire pit out there. And like I said, we, we have the, the garage door and we, we, I think that we do that very well. We, the, the garage door is, is like your signature. Yeah. I th- people really love it. And we had it when we were in Magnolia and um, we have this the similar vibe here. And I, I, I do. I mean, I enjoy it. You know, if I'm not working and I go sit out there and, you know, talk <laughs> to people or even when I am working, I go out and sit with a couple people and it, it's just, it's just pleasant out there. You know, we have a nice big deck out there and some uh, fire pit tables and some picnic tables. And, you know, uh, once the weather warms up a little bit, we'll put the, uh, the awnings and the sails out there and it's just cozy out there, I think. Yeah, I think so too. It's really, um, I don't know. It's like, it's like a, it's like a third place. You know what I mean? People have their, their work, their home. And this is like that third place they come when they don't necessarily, um, want to be working or I want to get out of the house. It's like, mm-hmm. it, it, this is where I go. This is where I hang out. This is where yeah. I hang my hat. It's where I bring my dog. This is where I ride my bike. Um, yeah, we have people that uh, ride their bike or, or they run through the park, uh, the park behind us through the, the trail there. And, They'll say, oh, you know, it's just out on a run. But you know what? I, I just felt like talking to somebody and stopping in and having a pint, you know, and continuing my walk or my ride or my run or, you know, it's just like you're saying, it's a little bit of an escape from uh, the daily grind. Yeah. I think people just like to talk sometimes. Agree. Like I remember this was during when I was here one time, um, right after things had opened back up and people were still kind of, you know, sheepish about, about coming in and stuff. And there was a guy and no one, there was no one really there yet, but he was there. And I guess we weren't allowed to have people at the, at the bar, mm-hmm. but you could tell he was like upset that he couldn't sit at the bar. Like he wanted to be there. Yep. And if no one was there yet, he wanted to talk to the, to the, the bartender and he couldn't do that. Yeah. And uh, I think it just goes to show that people, yes, it's about the beer, but people just want to be there. They want to mm-hmm. hang out. They want to talk. They want to, shoot the shit. You it, know was, what I mean? it, it was last week. I believe there was a gentleman sitting at the bar and, uh, there was a, a, a regular that comes in that I, you know, friends with. And so the gentleman that was sitting at the bar, he's kind of like talking to most people around them. And I said to the guy that I know, I said, did you know who that was? I, I never seen him before. And he's like, no, but he was a super nice guy. And he told me, he's like, I'm just glad I could come and talk to people. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think he, he, he did have a couple beers, but I mean, he was more interested in, in talking to people and in, in like enjoying others, yeah, yeah. which which is nice that we could finally, you know, we're, hopefully we're over the hump and we could do that again. Yeah, awesome. Um, so maybe some some personal questions for you. Um, I didn't do it. <laughs> what would you describe as a great beer? So not necessarily a specific beer, but um, what about a beer makes it great? I'm not overly critical with any beer for some reason. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I guess uh, that's a good question. I guess I enjoy all styles. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure if I have a good answer for that. Um, I'll let okay. you, I'll, I'll let you struggle through it. <laughs> what was the question? 
great beer. Great beer. What? Regardless in, in, of style. In, regardless of style. I mean, I think everyone kind of has their hand in, okay, I like several different styles, but irregardless or regardless of style, what makes a beer great versus a beer that's a good beer? We're kind of getting a little bit philosophical here. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really tough. I, I guess, like when you open this bottle of Maine, it, it, you get the zest, smell. I, I guess it's a con- combination of, of a lot of things. I guess it's the smell. It's obviously the taste. Um, carbonation levels, I think. Um, I guess overall, you know, I guess there's some beers and I'm sure that we make beers that, you know, people don't exactly love. But I, I guess when it, when a certain beer hits you, like you do enjoy all the, the smell, the taste, um, even looking at the glass and, you know, seeing the lacing on the glass. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that all that contributes to what, what I would consider a great beer. One thing that I've, I've had this conversation in the past and... Oh. It seems like there are certain beers that I've tried and they're super interesting, like super different. Um, never really had anything quite like it before. But after having a few sips, I'm like, okay, you know, I think I'm I think I'm good. You know what I mean? So you're you're enjoying it, but you just there's right. something about it that you didn't absolutely love. Like, for example, we we're talking about earlier about, you know. I think all the rage now is, you know, some of these, again, in addition, in addition to the hazy IPAs, some of the heavily fruited sours, some of the pastry stouts, there's just so much going on that it, it almost tires the palate a little bit. And it's like, wow, that's interesting to try, but I don't, it's not like something that I'm going to drink three pints of. No, <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah. If you're saying it that way, then I, I could see what you're saying. Um, a friend of mine, he had the beer was from Pittsburgh, and I forget the brewery, but it was a Neapolitan stout, so it had chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry in it. Wow! And it was excellent. I mean, you got the chocolate, you got the vanilla, and you got the strawberry, all at the beginning, in the middle, at the end. I mean, it was just, hmm. it was, in my opinion, a great beer. But I wouldn't sit there and have two, three, four of them. It, it, it was it was a great beer for what it was. This is interesting because I've always thought that my definition of a great beer is a beer that I try. And when I finish the beer, I'm like, wow, I'll have another one of those. This is interesting because you're- So it's you're, kind of uh, opposite, right? Of Kind of? No, so you're saying that like even that one specific beer you had, it was a great beer, but you wouldn't have more than a small like taster of it. Right, or I would have a pint of it. You have a pint of it, okay. But I wouldn't sit there and drink two or three of them in the sitting. I, I right. would drink it. I would even drink it again, but I, I wouldn't sit there and drink them all night. But I, I do believe it was a great beer. I really cool. do. I wish I knew the name of it. That's sweet. The um, even uh, we have um the cream sickle moonshake. Mm-hmm. It's it's vanilla and orange and and I believe it tastes really really good. People love it. I think it tastes excellent. I'll drink one. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sit there and drink that beer, you know, all night long. It, it, to me, it's just a little too sweet, but people love it because it's too sweet sometimes. So moving, moving forward with this business, 
what is your what does your vision look like? Um, so ideally, if things went your way going forward, how would this business look in the next year, in the next three years? Um, I don't think I know. I, I know for sure that the um, the larger system that we have um, will be operational, um, that it will be up and running, and we will be distributing beer um, kegs and cans um, to local distributors and local bars and restaurants and, um, you know, taking the business to the next step. Um, it's been seven years and we're brewing on the one barrel system. We have brewed on the larger system a few times, but like I said, there's been some hiccups and some setbacks, but you know, that's where I see the business in a year. I, I see us being local, you know, and we, we don't want nationwide distribution by any means. You know, we want to be, um, you know, in the local bars, local to Haddon Heights, local to where we live, we want to be in the community where we are and we need that system to be up and running to, uh, to accomplish that. And I think one thing that's important, I do want to kind of touch on this because I think it's, I think it's something that should be considered more that's not considered enough. And it's, it's the why of the business. And I'm going to start bringing this up on, on future podcasts as well, because I think it's that important of a topic. But I think often when you ask people, you know, what they do for a living, they often say, oh, I'm a teacher or I'm a brewer or I'm this. And that gives us some information. But I think that the better answer that the person asking that question is looking for is why are you doing this? Like when I say, what do you do? I'm really asking you, why are you doing that thing? It's like, oh, okay, you're, you're a teacher. Great. But what, why, why are you doing that? And what about this thing makes you want to do it? So um, I'll, I'll pose that question to you is um, what, what is your why in, in the involvement in, 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 in breweries? I, I think that we touched on it earlier in in the show. Um, it's just the camaraderie. It, it's it's the people. It's it's the beer. It, it's everything combined um, that makes me love coming here. That makes me want to be here. That you know, my day job. I've been there. Uh, June it'll be twenty six years. If you ask me if I love my job, I like my job. I don't love my job. Um, I guess if I could go back in time, I would probably think about my future or, you know, I was 18 when I decided to start mm. school, you know, going to college. And yeah, I just think that I did it because that's what people did or, you know, either you got a job or you went to college or, you know, one or the other. And I think that if I would have just known what I know now, I would have definitely did something fun a job, you know, work on a cruise line or something, something that I could see the world <laughs> or see the country or, or, you yeah. know, do something just to clear my head and, and like be, be more mature and, and to actually think about what I wanted to do and what I love to do. But, um, you know, like I said, I'm 26 years into my full-time job. I'm not leaving it anytime soon, or hopefully I am leaving it sometime soon. Um, <laughs> but for different but, reasons. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the brewery will maybe lead to that decision. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, I think knowing, I think a lot of people don't love what they do. 
And I'm one of them. I, my daytime job, I don't love it. I, I love being here. I love making beer. I love talking to people. I enjoy it. I really do enjoy it. What what percentage of people, just to kind of get a little more general for a second, what percentage percentage of people do you think love their job versus don't love their job? I would say, and I don't know this, I would say 20% of the population loves their job. You got some stats or no? I don't. I can try to look something up. Yeah. <laughs> um, it and- might be higher. But I, I think some people are afraid to admit that they don't love their job. I don't know why, but I think that some people are like, oh, yeah, I love my job. But but if you could say, well, if you what if you had the chance to do this or what if you had the ch- chance to do what if you were six foot five and you could play basketball or you could hit a hundred mile an hour fastball? Would you rather be a baseball player or a basketball player or would you rather, you know, do whatever you're doing? I think that I think a lot of people are just we're going to look it up. People love their job. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good question though, because I think I think you're right. I don't have anything to back it up, but, but I think you're yeah. right in the fact that I don't think people admit when they don't like it, and I don't know if, why that is. Maybe it's because they think, well, if I admit to somebody that I don't like it, then I might have to do something about it. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Right. I, I don't. That might be it. I don't know. But and I think that some people say that they love their job because they're doing very well. To right. me, doing very well and loving your job are two separate things. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know. Like, here, here's a question. Like, would you rather, and I think everyone's point's different. It's like, would you rather make a half million dollars a year and be miserable or make half of that, but be extremely happy? I, yeah, I think I'd take the happy. I know I would take the happy. You know what I mean? To me, I think just, I think a lot of people just, um, they rely or they judge everything on the money aspect. And I don't know. I mean, I like to spend money. I like to go on vacation. I like to, you know, spend money on silly things, but I I mean, I still do that and I don't have a lot of money by any means, but you know, I think the more I had, the more I'd probably spend. And I think that's human nature. I think the people that have more money spend more money. Right. And I think it's just nature. So if, if you were to give one, one tip to somebody who's thinking about moving into an interest of theirs, whether that's a hobby that they want to make into some type of vocation, some type of transition into something that they love, what would be the, the tip? Do it. There you go. I like that. Something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I said, I said before, people come in and, and they want to, oh man, I'd love to open up a brewery or, like, or, or a bar and, I'm like, do it. And I tell them, do it. And they look at me like I'm crazy, but, and I, and I am, I, I think it's sometimes it's unrealistic if, you know, you know you're not going to open up a brewery if you have zero idea on, on how to, to make beer, but you could, you could at least start, you could at least research and, yeah. and, and find things and learn. And, and, you know, I, I would, I would like to do other things. I, I'd have to learn how to do certain things or, you know, but, uh, yeah, I would just say do it. If you want to start a new hobby, if you want to start a new job, do it. You know, I like we're, that. We're not here real long. You know? Yeah, no. And for some sure. of us, unfortunately, aren't here. You know, as long as others. So it's cliche, but you know, you gotta you gotta live now and hope for the best. Cool, man. I think it's a, I think it's a good spot. Let me um, we're gonna do a, a real uh, a quick question round. Okay, oh boy. we're gonna run through a couple of different things. Um, 
you know, it's, it's nothing crazy. It's just various topics that, you I know. think my microphone stopped working. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what's, what's the coolest thing you've seen lately? The coolest thing. It can be anything. It could be, whoa, it could be this beer was sweet, this new style of beer, or it could be something completely unrelated. So I, I'm, I'm, a, I, yeah, this is cool. I thought it was cool. Somebody uh, posted on uh, Instagram. I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure where it was, but Antelope Canyon. Hmm. I, I don't know if it's part of the Grand Canyon, but I've never seen pictures of of where they were before. So I looked it up, and it's I'm almost positive it's called Antelope Canyon or Valley or. It was a cool picture and it makes me want to go to Arizona or, or wherever, <laughs> yeah. wherever they were. I, I think, yeah, I'm not sure if that's uh, exciting enough for your answer, <laughs> it, it is. but it was pa- cool. It passed, it passed the test. <laughs> um, but what are the most transformational uh, changes um, you're looking at making in, in the next 90 days that would have a drastic impact on your business? I like to ask this question because I think it's good to get tangible when we can. If people are in a tight spot, it might seem hard to, you know, what, what's the next step? So what, what are some of the transformational changes you're looking to make in the next 90 days? Yeah, I think I covered it already, but it, the answer is definitely getting this uh, larger system fired up and uh, operational and um, enabling us to take the next step in, in the business and, you know, generating more revenue and, you know, cool. get, get, getting the name out there and, getting the brand out there and making people know, you know, where we are and who we are and, you know, just taking, yeah, taking the next step. And, and that's definitely getting the system fired up is, is it. Cool. Um, what habits do you have that either help you in, in work or help you to unwind things that you might do on a regular basis that help keep you centered? Hmm. If anything. Yeah. I really don't have a lot of habits. I, I don't know. Uh... I enjoy playing golf, but I don't golf enough to, I feel if I'm on the golf course, it clears my head a little bit. Um, just being out there and not that you're alone golfing, you're always with someone, but you do get a little bit of downtime. I, I think that clears my head. Uh, I, I guess without physically doing something, I think that I'm able to uh, shut down my brain easier than some. Um, it, it, I don't really meditate, but I, I feel that, uh, I'm able just to to turn the switch off. Gotcha. And it, it clears my head for, you know, various things going on. This is one that I, I like to ask, but I might have a pretty canned answer for you here. What is your favorite beverage? Specifically? Yeah. Sp- yeah. Like, can I say beer? You can. Okay, beer. Beer it is. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, uh, I enjoy beer. I enjoy all styles. I, I, uh, there's not too many beers that I could say that I, I, that I dislike, to be honest. Um, I do enjoy other things. I, you know, some bourbon or, or whiskey or a glass of wine here and there, yeah. but, but overall I would say beer. Yeah. Um, well, Mike, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, thanks for, for having me. It's, thank, it's thank, been great. Thanks for sharing your time. Thanks for everything. Um, let the people know if there's any final thoughts that you have, anything you want to plug, any upcoming news you want to you want to announce the next minute or so is yours to talk um i guess just let people know that we're uh, lunacy brewing company we're at 1500 king's highway in haddon heights new jersey 
Uh, you can find this on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, also, you can find this on lunacybrewingcompany.com. Our tap list is updated to the minute. Um, yeah, come check us out. And uh, thanks for having me, Greg. Cool, man. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. I appreciate it. you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. If you are not yet a subscriber, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or all the major platforms. If you want to write to us, our email is leverageandbeverage at gmail.com. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's at leverageandbeverage. I'm Greg Sobosinski, and you've been listening to Leverage and Beverage. As always, keep pushing forward one sip at a time.